Today we start our brand new series called The Table, and we're so excited about it. In this series, we're going to learn about how we've been created for community, emphasizing faith, fellowship, and food. Now our teams have been working so hard on this amazing video. Pastor John's going to come out and set up the series, but then we're going to have a special guest, Pastor Alex Michelle from New Hope Town. Pastor Alex is going to actually teach us about the Passover feast while he hosts a Seder meal. You're going to see the table, you're going to see all the trimmings and all the elements, just like they would have done thousands of years ago. He's going to help us unpack the meaning and the importance, not only to their culture, but also to ours. So take out your notes, take out a pen as we prepare our hearts for what God has. Please take a look at this. Aloha, New Hope. Let me welcome you to our brand new sermon series called The Table, Created for Community. And I got to tell you, I've been really looking forward to jumping in this series with you because it's all my favorite things. It's the presence of God, it's the people of God, and it's food. Yeah, you know, food's my love language, and it turns out food is God's love language too. In fact, you can see at the top of your notes in Colossians chapter 2, it says this in verse 16, Therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink or with regard to a religious festival, a new moon celebration, or a Sabbath day. These are, look at this, a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. What's he saying? He's saying that the Old Testament feasts literally, get this, set the table for what we were going to understand about Jesus and his desire from the beginning of creation has been to have community with his people. So the Old Testament feasts were a shadow. So let's say this is Christ and the sun is shining here. The shadow, the, the form of who Christ is, what helps us to understand who he is and his heart, we can find that in the feasts. And now there's actually seven feasts in the Old Testament. Um, the spring feasts, which are the Passover, unleavened bread, first fruits, and Pentecost. All of these were fulfilled in Jesus' first coming. And then the fall feasts or the autumn feasts were trumpets, atonement, and tabernacles. And these will be fulfilled in Christ's second coming. See, these feasts were a shadow of Christ, all the good things that are summed up in Christ and how Christ wants us to um, learn from the Old Testament to understand why he discipled the way he did in the New Testament. In fact, look at it. We're, we're going to be studying in the book of Luke, but out of the seven holy feasts of the Old Testament, the Last Supper with Jesus, the Marriage Supper of the Lamb when we all end up in heaven together, all of this is happening around a table with food and God's people. It's around the table that we are connected with Christ. It's around the table that we are connected with each other. Out of the 23 parables that we're going to read about in, in Luke's gospel, more than 15, almost 70% of them feature food. It's clear. We're created for community. Community through communion. And Luke's gospel is, is just going to be that opportunity for us to look at the different ways that Jesus and, and his MO was to disciple people and do evangelism around a table, around food. In fact, he was accused of eating too much and hanging out too much, but we see the fruit of his life is clear that he wanted a relationship with us. He wants a relationship with each of us. And so I, I love this as, as we get ready to kick off this series. This, let's look at the Last Supper real quick. It's in your notes as well. Luke chapter 22 says this. They left and found, verse 13, found things just as Jesus had told them, so they prepared the Passover. 
In fact, we're going to get to enjoy a Passover meal tonight. Then the hour came and Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table. And he said to them, look at this. I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. The last supper was leading to the marriage supper of the lamb. I am, I'm so excited that he was eagerly desiring it. It was literally like he's bursting with joy at getting to sit around the table with his disciples and tell them just before facing death, I'm doing this so I can spend eternity with you. Do you ever feel that way? Do you know that Jesus actually wants to hang out with you? He's not just putting up with you because he's God and has to love us. No, he actually wants to spend time with us and he wants us to spend time with each other. And we're gonna see that very thing modeled tonight. The Andersons have graciously invited some of our, our campus pastors and some of my family and, and uh, John and Lanu Tilton and, and, uh, and we, we're all gonna get to join around a table and Pastor Alec, Alex Michelle of New Hope Town is actually, he's part Jewish and he's gonna lead us in a Passover or a Seder meal. And so I've left the rest of your notes blank. And what I want you to do is this. While you notice us going through some of the elements that kind of typify or foreshadow what Jesus was going to do for us on the cross, I want you to take some notes about some of the things you learn afresh and anew. Because this is, believe it or not, set in the table for what's coming in only a couple weeks, which is the Easter celebration of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So honestly, I can't think of a better way to kick off our celebration of Jesus and everything he did for us than to look at the Passover meal and understand what was foreshadowed in the Old Testament was showing us what he was about to do for each and every one of us. So let's kick this table series off. Come join us around the table. I think you're going to have a good time. Let's go. I'm so blessed uh, to be here with each and every one of you. Um, moving to Hawaii was um, one of the most beautiful things God could have ever realized in our lives when we moved here nearly nine years ago. And when we came in, it was learning uh, a beautiful culture that has so radically and beautifully touched our lives. Um, and so in that space, um, tonight I get to share with my, with my local friends, my pastor family in Ohana, I get to share with you a part of me because contrary to appearance, although I am dark and chocolate on the outside, I am uh, white and Jewish on the inside. You're uh, an Oreo cookie. Yes, I'm an Oreo cookie. You know, a Jew an Orthodox, kosher Jewish-like cookie. But the thing is, is truly, I wasn't raised in a Messianic Jewish home. I was raised in a Jewish home. You know, and my family is Ashkenazi Jews, which means they're Jews who are coming from Europe. Oh. And actually what I am wearing tonight is what my Jewish grandmother gave me for my bar mitzvah when I was 13 years old, wow. 34 years ago. Wow. And uh, the keep even has a little darkening on it because uh, it's been around and it's been worn like quite that a bit. Awesome. But it is, this is, I wasn't raised um, in Christianity at all. God brought me to himself and to his son when I was in college. And so as we come together tonight, one of the things that I'm so grateful for is that we are going to do something um, that Jesus did every single year of his life, all 33 years. In fact, the very last thing that Yeshua did, which would be his Hebrew name, is he had this, which is a Passover Seder. And I believe this, I believe the, the means by which we can understand more richly our faith 
in Yeshua, especially as we're coming into the Easter season, the degree to which we can understand those things at a whole deeper level is to actually understand the Jewishness of our Jewish Messiah, to understand that these were set in backdrops. I know that the uh, Last Supper looks more like a Thanksgiving dinner, almost like you have like a big turkey, you know, like, <laughs> so you're, like cutting it. But it looked a lot less like a Thanksgiving dinner, and it looked a lot more like this, gathering around a table for remembrance. Mm. And that's what we have. The Hebrew term for Passover is Pesach. So everybody practice your chachas. Everyone uh -oh. say, everyone go, <laughs> clear your throat. <laughs> yes, that's right. So I call that practicing our chachas. So everyone say Pesach. Pesach. And Pesach is the Hebrew word for Passover. So the thing is with Passover, it's one of three Jewish um, holidays, holy days that God commanded all men 13 years old and older, no matter where they were, if they were in the diaspora, which means they're spread out around the world, everybody had to come back to either the tabernacle or the temple mm. for a specific reason. And it's this, everyone say, remember. remember. See, the issue that we have is we tend to forget things that we're supposed to remember and we remember too many things we're supposed to forget. Oh, yeah. so true. You know, and one of the things that God had, and he knew, our, he knew our nature after the fall, is we would forget the things that aren't just about who he is, but it's about who we are. Who we are is his people. And so what we're going to come to tonight is so much less a dinner. What's so beautiful is for 1,400 years before Jesus came, the Jews every year would celebrate a Passover and the elements and the things that we have are going to be what they had. But the thing that they didn't understand is how many things in the Passover were to paint a picture of the Messiah that was for coming. It's literally 1,400 times of practicing wow. a reality so that when your Messiah would come, you would recognize him because God had you remember. Mm. Mm. So as we come to tonight, you know, I'm going to sit down in the midst and I'm going to share with you different parts and pieces of this Passover story and the things that we're going to walk through. And it's going to be awesome. So one of the things that I think is important to understand too is of course the, you know, Israelites, um, they were, they were in slavery, but God didn't save them or deliver them because of pity. He delivered them because of purpose. Mm. And the purpose was, is that God had the people of his creation were like living in darkness. And the purpose of a people was that God was drawing a people to himself, yeah. that he would begin to teach his ways, that he would give them the stewardship of his word, which would reveal his way. And therefore the purpose of Israel was to be a light to the world. I know we so often think about that as the church, but God spoke to Israel. Israel was to be a light to the nations. They were, the light was to live this Torah, was to live, you know, these commandments. And in living them, God would bless them so richly. And it was meant to draw the people of that time, you know, the Higgagites, the thisites, all the whateverites, you know what I mean, are all in that space of living in darkness, but God is trying to draw them through his people. And so when it comes down to this, of course, this is a very um, Jewish uh, frame thing, but why would we celebrate it as believers? Well, the reason we celebrate it as believers is, uh, I know this may shock you, <laughs> Jesus wasn't a Christian. 
<laughs> is that where we go, dun, dun, dun? Is that where, like, the emojis or, like, the uh, Instagram scene goes, dun, dun, dun? There's some stones around here. <laughs> what did he say? <laughs> you know, Jesus was a Jew, my friends, and the whole framework of yeah. understanding of Messiah was coming from Judaism. But why would we celebrate this as believers, as Christians? It's because our Savior mm. instituted what we know as communion through the flow of a Passover Seder. He didn't just have bread and cup. He had these things which were picturing various elements of what they were to celebrate each and every year. So the reason that we celebrate it is actually going to be read by Pastor John. And he said to them, I've eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. After taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread and gave thanks and broke it. And he gave it to them saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. And now what we're going to do is we're going to start unpacking various different parts of what it is that they did to remember the wonderful things that God did. Because remember, the focus of what we need to do and why God even has these things is because he wants us to remember the things that will help us to be connected to him. So this is a table of communion, you know? And what I mean by communion is not just what we celebrate, but literally a common union with God. But it also frames us as a community, mm -hmm. you know? And what the purpose of coming together as a community is as we're connected to God, it connects us to one another. And the connection is, is that we're the people of God. He's given us his word, he's given us himself. The Jews were a people of the presence. Mm. No God, the people who had God in their presence had a stone idol in the midst of their community. You know, the Philistines had Dagon in the middle of their community, but what is it? It's just a stone thing. When you saw the tabernacle, when the Israelites were in the wilderness, you have millions of tents, but right in the middle was the tabernacle with a flame of fire yeah. blowing. And it's not like a little flickering thing. If you could imagine something probably 50, 100 feet tall, there's just wow. like, if you saw it from afar, what you would see is their God dwells in their midst because that's the God that he is. So one of the things that is so beautiful and we thankfully have amazing women at this table is it was believed that the pious women of the day, especially of Moses, people like his mother, Yocheved, were hugely responsible for what led to the deliverance. They, they gave birth to, mm. you know, these sons that would ultimately lead, you know, Israel um, under the hand of God into deliverance. And so we have Lanu, who so beautifully and wonderfully is Mishpucha. She <laughs> is also a Messianic Jew. Uh, your maiden name is? Weinstock. Okay. <laughs> Said in the... Weinstock. <laughs> yes, Weinstock, you know. And so we have some pious women in the midst of us who are going to do the blessing. The very first act in Pesach, in the Passover, was to have women light the candles that are going to reflect a lighting of the way and the celebrating of God. Ladies, if you would lead us. Baruch Atanai Eloheinu Melech Olam 
Asher Kichanu Bamitz Votav Vitsivanu Le Halik Nishel Pasha Blessed art thou, O Lord, our God, King of the universe, who has sanctified us through thy commandments and has commanded us to light the Passover light. Baruch Atah Adonai Eloheinu Malech Aolam Shehehe Yanu Vikitmanu Vihigyanu Lazman Hazek. Blessed art thou, O Lord our God, King of the universe, who has given us life and sustained us and has brought us to this season. Amen. 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 Now, as we come into this, each of you can see that we have. Uh, Glasses of grape juice. <laughs> Just to clarify. <laughs> Just to clarify. It's going to be that type of party, okay? <laughs> but it is, you know, there are four glasses um, that are to be uh, drank throughout the Seder. And you drink them in the full, but each of them represent four different promises that were given by God to Moses about the deliverance that he would work for his people. So in this space, we're going to start by drinking our first cup. So if you would take the first cup in your hand, and what are we doing? We're giving thanks to God as the promise maker, as the provider. And so I'm going to say a prayer, and I want you guys to repeat this prayer after me. Everyone say, Baruch, Baruch Atta, Adonai, Adonai, Eloheinu, Eloheinu Melech, Melech, Ha'olam, Borei, Peri, Hagafen. I know that we were getting ready to stop praying in Hebrew, which I didn't necessarily understand growing up, when at the end, every Hebrew prayer would end with, Amen. So now that we've said that, let's say it together. You ready? Amen. Amen. And we can give some love to one another. And you drink the cup to the full. Now, we need to do a time of purification. And so in the time of purification, what would happen is each person would go around, and what they would do is they would wash their hands as a symbol of purifying, coming clean before God. It's so important. You know, even the scriptures call us to even consider the communion, right? In the communion, we're to pray. Like, you know, some people took the communion unworthily, and some people, Paul suggests, even died because they didn't consider how they were coming before the Lord. So as we're coming now, what we're going to do is you're just going to take this when you have it, you're going to dip your hands in it just as a sign of the purification. And then what's going to happen is, as I've done that, then what's going to happen is John is going to take the towel because we love, we, we serve one of them. And John, you're going to dry my hands. Mm, wow. And John, you want to know why you're going to do that? Yes. The reason is, is because it was at this time during the Passover Seder that Jesus stood up, took off his outer robe, tied a towel around his waist, and he went around and he washed each of his disciples' feet to show that, listen, this is purification with water, but I'm showing you something as an example of what it means to serve, to cleanse, and to help one another walk in the purity and the clarity that we have. And so as each person watches, the person to their left after they've washed will dry our brother or sister's hands as we go around. So, John, i give you this so you may purify yourself for tonight. You just dip your hands in the water. And I have the blessing of drying wow. your hands. 
And so whenever they would do this, this would remind them that we're all called to serve each other. You're called to serve each other, but you're also called to remember when you come before your living God, come clean. Mm. Come clean. Think of how you're coming before him because he is a holy God and we're to be his holy people. Amen. 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 We have various different elements that are here, you know, on the table. We'll walk through some of them, and one of them we're going to do right now. So what I'd like for you to do, each of you, is, and I'll take some and just pass it, but what I want you to do is just to break off a little piece of parsley for yourself. And what's the heart of the reason why? Parsley at the table reflects life. It reflects, like, the green in and of itself, just reflects how God is the giver of life, and the Jewish people were made unto abundant life. But of course, what we remember is they were brought as, ultimately became slaves in Egypt. And so what we do in the Passover Seder at this time is we take some of the parsley and what we do is we take it and we dip it in this water that has salt in it. And the reason that we do this is that we remember that as much as God has given us life, our ancestors also had a bitterness of life. And so what we're gonna do to remember the bitter tears that they suffered under Egyptian rule. We're going to take some of the parsley mm. and we're going to take it. And as we eat it, we'll both remember both the life that God gives, but that that life that we are tied to by tied to the Jewish people was one of bitterness because of how severe um, the slavery was that they were under. I, when I say uh, drop it into second gear, you guys know what I mean. You know, I, there are not too many uh, stick shifts around today. But, you know, when you drop yeah. it into second gear, it means slow down and consider and marinate. In fact, yeah. uh, a Hebrew word that some of us might have come across when we're studying the book of Psalms is this word selah. You'll read various parts of the psalm, all of a sudden you'll see selah. Well, what selah meant was when you're reading this, when you see selah, you're to pause. Because something in the writer of the psalm says, listen, I don't want you to just move on. I want you to consider and let this marinate for a second mm. because mm. this is a truth that if you pass by it, you're going to miss it. Yeah. And so, so there's no passing by here. Yeah. You know, everything is for us to take in and to be a part of. Now, this is a part that is just, it's very, very rich. So at this time, what we have here is we're taking this matzah that is here inside of her. And you see that there are, there are three pieces that are here, okay? Now, what's interesting, when we were growing up as kids, always did this. You would take three pieces of matzah, and you would wrap them. And matzah, what's, what's yeah, matzah? Yeah, so matzah is unleavened bread. Ah. So what it is, is because the Jews were going to be delivered in haste, meaning they were going to be delivered quickly, God said that you are not to put yeast in the bread, which obviously would extend the process of having to have it raised. You are to make bread without yeast. You are to make matzah. And, you know, in that space of the matzah, then what would happen is it was always a symbol of how quickly God had delivered the mm. Israelites okay. out of Egypt. Right. I mean, and when you think about this, too, and may that minister to many of us as we think about, you know, Easter coming up, because sometimes the problem that we're in, the difficulty we're in, it just seems like we're locked into it. This isn't going to change. Yeah. You know, it just seems like it's, I'm just stuck. And we have no idea how quickly God can change your reality. Mm 
those people went to bed that night as slaves, and the next day they walked out as the people of God. And freedom. To those who hold faithfully, not for what they can get, but for who is worthy of being followed. So in this is growing up as kids, you'd have these three pieces of matzah and you know, some people would say it represents Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Some people would say it represents the priests, the Levites, and the coal Israel, like the whole of the people of Israel. But there was always something interesting that would happen. What you would do is you would take the middle piece of matzah and you would break the middle piece. Then you would take the middle piece and you would actually hide it in a napkin. And this middle piece was called the afikomen. Now in this space, some people have said to like, you know, what is this picture? Like, why are we breaking the middle one? Right. And some like, it doesn't make sense that why was Isaac wasn't broken as part of right, like right. that patriarchal thing. And then, you know, why would the Levites be broken, you know, in this space? So like I said, can you imagine how for how many centuries Jews are putting three pieces of matzah wrapped in something that reflects unity. And this is what's so beautiful, is this piece called the afikomen, you know, would be hidden. And then at the end of the Seder, what would happen is the kids would start looking. We'd start looking all over the house for the afikomen. (laughs) And whoever found the piece that was wrapped in linen and broken would come and they would get a reward for having found the afikomen. Well, what do we picture that? I mean, three in one, three pieces wrapped in this napkin. The middle one was broken like the Son of God was broken for us. He was wrapped in strips of linen. Come on. (laughs) You know what I mean? Wrapped in strips of linen. And then, of course, how do we get saved? Those who recognize the one that was broken and died for us receive, well, kids, we as kids receive some uh, guilt. It's like uh, fake Jewish money. <laughs> Good parents, they give you the fake stuff, not the real stuff. You know? <laughs> That's for your retirement later, son. You know, But just the even thought of that, yeah. the one who finds the missing bread is the one who will receive the reward. Hmm. So that's the pieces that we're talking about. How many different wow. pieces in this space? And did they, did they understand um, the Trinity? The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? Because no. that's, that's such a beautiful picture of it, and that's the, the thing, Trinity of God working together. In Judaism, why it's so because they're going to, that's one of their main type of things that they will have as resistance to anything that has to do with Christianity because you're saying that God is three. You know, right. of course, we're not saying that God is three. We're saying we believe just like they do. And this is something some of you may have read, but I think it'll be good for us to say it together now. All of us, let's say this. Everyone say Shema. Shema. Israel. Israel. Adonai. Adonai. Eloheinu. Adonai. Adonai. Everybody hold up your finger. Echad. Echad. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. In the beginning, you know, it talks about God. And it's so interesting that this word for God is Elohim. Well, in Hebrew, anything like in English, anything that ends with S is plural. Anything that ends with I am in Hebrew is plural. In the beginning, this word for God, Elohim, is plural. And try to explain, like, they're like, I think me like, well, it doesn't mean what you think it means. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, but what do we understand? Like, John, in that space is our God is one God. Mm -hmm. 
but he's revealed himself in three persons. But I think what's really important with the person is so much of our definition of person is defined by Western culture. Right. An autonomous individual self is a person. Yeah. Mm. Well, what's so beautiful about the islands that we're in, which is so tied to the land of Israel where this would have taken place, personhood isn't defined like that in Israel. As much as I've learned, it's not defined like that in Hawaiian culture. In Hawaiian culture, if you say, look at me, I'm the individual, I don't need anybody. You know, you're Ohana, look at me, I accomplished. People would look at you like, you're weird. Yeah. Right. What do you mean? It's true. You're you apart from us. Right. Mm. Yeah. So in Eastern culture, the definition of person is one who enters into relationships and doesn't exist apart from them. Cool. One who enters into relationships and doesn't exist apart from them. Wow. With that definition of personhood, three in one. Yeah. So as we had that time of breaking the middle matzah, we also now remember the lamb. So here we have a lamb bone, and you would always have a lamb shank you know, at the table. And of course, what did this represent? It represented a, such a key part of the Passover because what God said is there must be a sacrificed Passover lamb at every single time of remembrance. But this is something that literally blew my mind. So in this space, as you may remember in the story, that God says, I'm going to deliver you in haste. But the thing about Passover, as I grew up as a kid, I used to think Passover meant, oh, the Israelites were passing over out of Egypt and into the promised land. That's not what the passing over remembers. It's the passing over of the angel of death. Right. Right. Yeah. It's the passing over of those houses, but it was a specific type of house. Mm -hmm. God said these mm -hmm. things. He said the, there's going to be a loss of life of the firstborn throughout the whole of the land. But as my people, this is what I'm calling you to do. You're to sacrifice a lamb. And what's so powerful, if you'll watch what was instructed, we can but imagine if this is what it may have looked like. Even if you can imagine this as being a part of like a beam of a dorm because you were to put it on the posts and on the mantle. But I want you to imagine, if you can just imagine there's another part just like here. And just imagine if I were to take some blood on hyssop and I were to go and put it up at the top of my doorposts and then I put it across the beam and I come over to my other doorpost and I put it across the beam. What did the angel of death see when he's going through and he comes to a house? Who but knows if what he literally saw, what would have looked like crosses mm -hmm. on the posts and on the beams. Mm -hmm. You must put it on the post. You must put it on the beam, mm -hmm. the blood of the lamb. Mm. And this is what's so key. What is it? that caused the Israel, what caused the angel of death to pass over. He comes to this house, and when he comes to this house, it's not like, oh, the blood stinks, ooh, like go on. When he goes and he sees the blood, he sees a house that believes. Mm. Let that sit in for a second. Mm. This is a house that believes. Because technically you can think, what is blood on a doorpost going to have to do with the angel of death passing over? Is it like he's allergic to it or, you know, like whatever it is? No, what the thing is, is every time the angel of death went to that house, it was, there's a house that believes. There's a house that believes. In other words, those that were spared were those who walked in faith to the word of the God who brought their wow. deliverance. Wow. wow. But one of the things that as we have recounted the story, we know that God didn't just deliver them out of Egypt and said, enjoy. 
we know that God brought them out of Egypt, but then when they got to the waters of the Red Sea, then the Egyptians were coming, and then God brought them through the Red Sea, but the Egyptians didn't. And so as a child growing up, this is one of my favorite times because um, it was this word that we would say called dianu. So everybody say dianu. Dianu. So Dane, I want you to look at someone next to you and say, it would have been enough. It would have been enough. It would have been enough. And that's literally what we would do. We would go around and we would recount the continued journey. So we would say, you know, God in his mercy delivered us out of Egypt. Dianu, that would have been enough. But then he brought us through the Red Sea, but Pharaoh was destroyed. Dianu, that would have been enough. But when we were going through the wilderness... And when we ran and we, and we needed, and we were thirsty, the Lord gave us water from the rock. Dianu, that would have been enough. But then when we were hungry, yeah. he gave us manna from heaven, Dianu. And what happens is you begin to think of God, if you just did that, right. that would have been enough. Yeah. But this is the thing that just touches my heart so deeply. The Lord that we serve, the Yeshua that is ours, he, he always does more than enough. He could have done this, but then he just went and did that. Yeah, <laughs> you know yeah, what I mean? Amen. He could have brought us yeah. this far, but then he brought us that far. Mm. Think of how many times it would have been enough. Yeah. It would have been enough. But the thing that I love about God is he's not satisfied yeah. mm. until he has brought his people into the fullness of all that he has for them. Mm. So it wouldn't be a good Jewish gathering if we didn't dance. Okay. Wasn't that amazing? I hope that you're leaving this experience as full as I am. Not just full from the, you know, matzo balls and the falafels, but full of just a brand new look at how much Jesus loves us. Literally using over a thousand years of messaging layer upon layer to show us that he came for community and communion with you and I. I hope you know that as you're leaving today, that, that he did all of this to grab your attention and say, I want to spend the rest of my life with you. So maybe this week you could just do that. Maybe just take some time and maybe grab your, your lunch time or, or maybe go on a walk with Jesus and just talk to him. Maybe spend some time reconnecting with him. And the next step I want to encourage you to do, invite somebody else over to your house or out to dinner or around a, a table at, at the local coffee shop. And I want you to use the hashtag feast with us because here's my easy challenge. 
Along with spending time connecting with your Creator, I want you to spend time connecting with others. Maybe this first week you can invite people that you know. But over the next week or two, I want you to begin to invite maybe some people you haven't really gotten to know at church or maybe a coworker or two. Uh, just invite them over to your house, have them around your table, and begin to see what God can do when we connect through community. It's an easy thing, but I think you're going to enjoy it. And here's what I know most of all. When we, you and I get to Easter because of what we we just experienced with this Passover meal, we're going to see the sacrifice of Christ in a way that we never did before. And I, along with you, am praying that many of our friends and family will come to know Him the way we do. I can't wait to feast at the next table with you. God bless. Would you thank Pastor Alex, Pastor John, and all those that were involved in creating that amazing video? The Passover feast was a shadow of things to come. The reality, the fulfillment would be found in Jesus. The Passover feast reminded them of God's power, God's authority, God's kingship, and God's plan, which was to know his people, to be in community with his people, ultimately to be in relationship with you and me. We talk so often about how God has a plan for your life, but sometimes, especially when life is rough, it's hard to believe it. We talk so often about how God loves you so much, but sometimes when things aren't going your way and you feel all alone, it's hard to receive it. But the fact remains that God's plans and God's love are real. The fact remains that God's plans and God's love are truth. And celebrating the Passover helps us remember it helps us remember that God has been, that God is, and that God forever will be faithful. It helps us remember that just like that matzah was broken later, Jesus' body would be broken for us. It helps us remember just like the blood covered the doorposts, Jesus' blood would later cover us, cover our sins, cover our failures cover our mistakes, cover everything we've ever done. It helps us remember that God pursues his people, and beyond that, God chose his people. Not because they were the greatest, not because they were the strongest or the best, simply because he loved them, simply because that was his plan. You see, celebrating the Passover honors God for who he is, but it also reminds us who we are, who you are, the loved, chosen child of God. Turn to your neighbor and say, you are chosen. Turn to your second choice and say, you're chosen too. I love how Pastor Alex went on to talk about the Israelites in Egypt. Hey, Egypt was a place of hardship. Egypt was a place of slavery. They were separated from their home, separated from their family, separated from the temple, which was their place of worship. Egypt wasn't easy but God could change the reality in an instant. You see, those people went to bed that night as slaves, but the next day they would walk out as the victorious people of God. That's the power of our God, and that gets me excited. In fact, I believe someone here needs to hear that again. Those people went to sleep that night as slaves, stuck, trapped, no alternatives in sight, doomed to destruction, doomed to torture, doomed to hardship, but God had a plan. You see, God's plan was to show his power in the midst of their problems. God's plan was to show his salvation in the midst of their slavery. God's plan was to reveal to the entire world that he would be their only ruler. You see, all they saw was a lost, hopeless cause, but God knew. 
He could change their reality in an instant. So too, God can change our reality in an instant. You see, some of us have been facing some hardship. Some of us have been a slave. Not a slave to a foreign world, but a slave to our fleshly wants. A slave to sin. A slave to our fear. A slave to our doubts. A slave to our worry. A slave to our past. A slave to our habits. A slave to the lies of the enemy. But the faithful, powerful God of Israel, the faithful, powerful God of the Passover has brought you here for a reason. You see, that night they went to bed as slaves, but they would rise up the next day as the victorious people of God. So too, some of you walked in today as slaves. But God is offering you the power and ability to walk out freed, to walk out as an overcomer, to walk out as a conqueror, to walk out as the victorious people of God, if you but choose. You see, when the sun rose over Egypt that day, the people were able to rise up in their brand new identity. Hey, we're about to celebrate Easter, where we remember the sun, Jesus Christ, rising on the third day, allowing us to rise in a brand new identity. See, God brought salvation to Israel, and now God brings salvation to us through Jesus Christ. Now, that's a truth that I want to celebrate. I'm grateful that we can be saved through Jesus Christ. So the people were able to walk out victorious, and that would have been enough. But God wasn't done yet. You see, Pharaoh changed his mind. He gathered his troops and he said, you know what, go get my slaves back. And it was only a matter of time before the Israelites were trapped again. The Red Sea before them, the enemy soldiers behind them. Let me set the scene a little bit. The Red Sea is a vast sea. It's said to be about 1,400 miles long. And at its widest point, over 200 miles wide. We ain't talking about the Alawai Canal. This is a vast sea. And there were millions and millions of people there stuck, trapped, an impossible situation yet again. But God showed up. God showed up in power, and he actually moved the obstacles from before them so they could walk through in safety. Think about the water. Thousands and thousands of pounds of water moved before them so they could walk on dry land. I don't know what was living in there, fish, whatever else, but God moved every obstacle so that his people could know deliverance and victory. Some of us have been facing some obstacles. You walked in this morning stuck between a rock and a hard place, and you have no idea what to do. And God would have you remember, just surrender yourself. Surrender your situation. Surrender your family. Surrender your finances. Surrender whatever it is to the mighty God, to the obstacle-moving God, to the life-saving God, to the greater-than-any-enemy God, to the stronger-than-any-challenge God, to the ocean and sea-moving, mountain-moving God who pursues you who wants a relationship with you, who wants to give you deliverance. And that would have been enough, but God wasn't done yet. Because you see, then they were thirsty, and he provided water out of nothing. And that would have been enough, but God wasn't done yet. Because then they were hungry, and God dropped bread from the sky. And that would have been enough, but God wasn't done yet. Because then he gave them quail. And that would have been enough, but God wasn't done yet. Because when they were lost, he gave them direction. And that would have been enough, but God wasn't done yet. Because when they needed help, and when they were challenged, God gave them a plan. That would have been enough, but God wasn't done yet. Are you understanding the common theme? They had to remember that their God was faithful. They had to remember that their God was powerful. They had to remember that their God acted in love. 
He acted in love because he wanted a relationship with them. And guess what? Now it's our turn. It's our turn to remember. It's our turn to remember that our God is faithful. It's our turn to remember that our God is powerful. It's our turn to remember that our God does have a plan for us. That our God does love us. That our God is pursuing us. And once we remember, it's time to respond to his invitation. It's time for us to surrender our lives and enjoy a relationship that will change everything in an instant. You see, God did all of this from the beginning of time just for you. And just like Chris was talking about earlier, he knows your name. He knows your struggles. He knows what you're going through. He's seen your tears. He knows everything that's going on in your heart and your mind, even right this second. And he loves you. And he's inviting you back to the table. Will you choose to listen? Will you choose to respond to that invitation? Would you bow your heads in prayer with me? I want to pray first for those that would call themselves Christians, but they've been having a tough time. You know Jesus, but you know you haven't been walking the way he's asked you to. Maybe you've been a slave to doubt. Maybe you've been a slave to fear. Maybe you've just strayed and gone your own way, and God today is inviting you back to the table. He's saying, remember, remember me and return back. It doesn't matter what you've done and it doesn't matter where you've gone and it doesn't matter where you've been. I want you back now. I want you to be able to walk out of here victorious. I don't want you to be a slave any longer. Today is the day of deliverance for you if you will return back to me. If that's you, you need to respond to Jesus in this place. And I would ask you to respond by just raising your hand, saying, God, I know that's me. I know that's me. I've been straying. I haven't been living the life that I know you've called me to, but today is the day of change. I surrender myself back to you, knowing that I am desperate for you, that I need you. God, I'm so grateful because I see these hands, but I know that you see these hearts that are surrendered to you. Forgive us, Lord. Forgive us for straying. Forgive us for allowing ourselves to be slaves to the things of this world. Forgive us for choosing our own way over your way, God. Right now we choose to remember and return back to you. And we thank you that your grace is sufficient, that your forgiveness is sufficient, that your blood covers us, covers our every mistake, every failure, that you are here because you love us and that we have been called here because you want to return to relationship with us. Jesus, I ask for boldness and faith that these would be able to walk out as the victorious people of God over everything they've been struggling with. In Jesus' name. Again, with every head down and every eye closed, I bet there's people here that have never received Jesus as their Lord and Savior. You've never fully surrendered your life to God, and you're not here by accident either. You're not here by coincidence. God has brought you here for this very purpose, which is to invite you to the table for the first time. He loves you. He knows your name, and he wants to be close to you. I know you're probably thinking to yourself, well, I'm not ready yet. I want to clean myself up first. I want to know more first. And Jesus is saying, now's the time. 
Enough is enough. No more excuses. No more reasons why not. Today is the day to respond to my invitation so that you don't have to be a slave anymore. You don't have to be hopeless anymore. You don't have to hurt anymore because I will be with you. You don't have to know everything because I will take care of everything if you but surrender. So please don't miss this opportunity. God has brought you here. God has done all of this just because he wants a relationship with you. And if your heart's racing, you know who you are and you know now is your chance. And so I would ask you, with every head down and every eye closed, to respond to Jesus by just lifting up a hand saying, Jesus, I know you're calling me and I choose to respond. I choose to say yes to your invitation. I choose to surrender to you. I choose to walk out of here victorious as a conqueror. I'm not gonna do this on my own anymore because on my own I only fail. But in you, I thank you that I can find victory and a new identity and a new life. So many hands. Anybody else? Now's your chance. This is the time. Don't let it pass by because God is here because he loves you and is moving in our midst. He did all of this. This entire service was just for you. We're going to say a prayer together, and I would ask that everyone would say this prayer. I'm going to provide the words, and I would ask you to repeat after me together. Say these words. Say, Dear God, thank you for Jesus. Dear Jesus, thank you that you came and you died for my sins. I am a sinner in need of a Savior, so I surrender my life to you. And now I say this so you can hear me, so I can hear myself, so those around can hear, and so even the devil can hear. Jesus Christ is my Lord. He is my Savior. I belong to him. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together and applaud what God has done.